Brothers and sisters, I feel like we've been to church today. Amen? My goodness. We just need to replicate that another 51 Sundays this year and we'll be good to go. Wonderful singing. Take your Bible this morning, turn to the New Testament Gospel of Luke, chapter number 10. And wonderful singing. Isn't that a blessing? Listen to Haley and Rachel sing together. He who is mighty has done a great thing. I told Mark over there, I was already in fifth gear. I'm ready to roar, man. I mean, just wonderful music. Luke chapter number 10. Uh, I tell you, earlier this morning I was reading, I, I wasn't sure, I can't remember if it was in the Jerusalem Post, not exactly sure where it was, but early this morning I was reading, I, I want you to keep in the prayer, a, uh, one of our military men and their family uh, seemed like in an occupied territory in Palestine and a uh, couple of days ago, I guess, up in the northern end of that occupied territory, uh, one of our military men uh, was found himself in the wrong place at the wrong time and uh, a group of uh, absolute thugs absolutely almost Beat him to death, and uh, and so I mean just massive massive injuries. And as I was reading in the post, uh, it seemed to be it was kind of crazy. The American ambassador that is supposed to be in that occupied territory there in the northern end left the country in the same night. Now I'm not putting one and one together, but it might be that this guy was a little bit afraid of his uh, um, reputation being tarnished, or maybe he just didn't want to deal with it. And then uh, if that wasn't worse, I saw where a English professor at UC Berkeley was in the occupied territory marching against against U.S. military and walked right by this guy nearly dead in the gutter and did nothing. Now listen to this. This is where the story kind of turns. It was weird. You're not going to believe this. A known ISIS terrorist gave a U.S. soldier CPR and moved him over to the northern end of Jerusalem into a hospital and saved his life. Is that incredible or what? Now that never happened, but I do want you to look at Luke chapter number 10. <laughs> Luke chapter number 10. Look with me at verse number 30 and following. Jesus replied, well, what did he reply to? Jesus had just given the great commandment to love God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself. And this lawyer that was speaking to him uh, was much like a lawyer in his ability. In verse 29, he says, but wishing to justify himself, he said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Well, Jesus did not tell him who his neighbor was. Jesus told him how to be a neighbor. And look at this passage. Jesus replied and said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho. Certainly this is a Jewish man. And he fell among robbers, and they stripped him and beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. And by chance a priest was going down on that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite also, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan... You say, who is a Samaritan? Well, uh, the, the Jews thought of Samaritans much the same way as the U.S. military might think of ISIS soldiers or you and your Christian beliefs might think of terrorists around the world. How much you hate them and despise them and consider them to be half-breeds and subhumans. So Jesus knew exactly what he was talking about. But a Samaritan who was on the journey came upon him, and when he saw him, he felt compassion. 
And he came to him and bandaged up his wounds, pouring oil and wine on them. And he put him on his own beast and brought him to the inn and took care of him. And on the next day, he took out two denarii. So what is a denarii? Uh, it's about, uh, about a day's worth pay, maybe a few days worth pay. So he brings more than it is necessary. And he gave them to the innkeeper and said, take care of him and whatever more you spend, when I return, I will repay you. Jesus asked the question here, which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robber's hands? And he said, the one who showed mercy toward him. And Jesus gives a command, go and do the same. My brothers and sisters, today we're uh, going to take a little few minutes here at the end and speak a little bit about our vision for this uh, church, for our church here in 2019 and some of the things that we want to uh, accomplish and work at. But we're going to focus today upon uh, serving, and you'll, you'll see there will be some things that unfold where we have opportunities to serve. But this passage before us, this parable that's before us, really just has three components to it. And the first component is uh, very much a disturbing parable. And much the same way as when I told you that a little parable about the U.S. soldier falling and the terrorist taking him over the hospital. So Jesus has the same thing in mind. The lawyer comes to him and says, who's my neighbor? I want to justify myself. Do I have to be a neighbor to everybody or just my family or to the people I like or to my enemy? Or who is my neighbor seeking to justify himself? And Jesus comes back on top of that and tells a parable of a man that he hates and he despises and he considers to be no good at all. And this guy is the one that has mercy and compassion and kindness. Look back in the parable just a little bit and notice if you would what happens. It says here in, um, in verse number 30 that uh, this guy went up from the way uh, from Jerusalem to Jericho. This is a famous road. In fact, Jerome would often say that people would travel this way and fear for their lives. So this was a known way of pain and anguish. And many times people would hide in the shadows and in the dark places and they would rob people of everything that they were. Look at verse number 31 and 32 and look at the contrast that's going on. So it is this Jewish lawyer that is speaking here about it. And Jesus tells a story and he says, hey, listen, a Levite and a, and a priest, they come by. Look at the priest in verse number 31. And by chance, a priest was going down on that same road. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Notice the repetition here between all three men. So the priest, he sees and he passes by. And the Levite, he sees what's at stake and he passes by on the other side. But when it comes to the Samaritan, he sees what is going on, but he doesn't pass by. He is moved with compassion over the situation and he acts in mercy and care and goes to it. And I would say to us today that we had to be really careful as a church that we don't find ourselves being of such a religious stripe that when we see the needs and the hurting and the pain and the suffering and the trials of people, not only inside of our church, but in our community and in the city of Raleigh and around the world, that we don't just pass by on the other side. 
You know, when I read that, I couldn't help but think about our past in the fall and in the winter when we did our study in the book of James on Wednesday nights. And you remember where it talks about when somebody comes into your presence and they're hungry and destitute and they don't have anything to eat and you say to them, go on your way and be warmed and filled. Can I put that in a southern way for you? Bless your heart. You don't quite look like me or act like me. You don't have the same socioeconomic status as me. And you know what? You're probably to blame for your own problems. And so I'm going to let somebody else take care of you. Listen, we need to take care of our own before we take care of anybody else. If anybody ever tells you that, they're not thinking Bible. And, yeah, and I suppose those people would, what would you want? Did you want Jesus to take care of himself before he took care of you? Did you want him to come down from the cross and bandage his own wounds? Or did you want him to die with your sins in his own life that he might redeem you from hell? So we don't want to be so religious that uh, this year in our church that what we focus on is just us four and no more. And listen, we have prayer guides here and we have people in our church who are sick and hurting and we have people who are out of work and we need to take care of them and love them and build on them and bring community. We want to build the inner workings of our church and be here for each other, love each other. This is your family. There are some people in this room that the members of this church are more family than your blood family. But we don't want to leave it there. We don't want to see the needs of our community and see the needs of the people that are around us and pass by on the other side. We're so busy, we've got things to do and places to go, and that's going to require time and effort and money and care. And you know what? I've got enough of my own burdens. Let somebody else deal with that. We don't want to be like that. The very priests, the ones who were supposed to give the sacrifice and be the go-between between the people of God and, and God himself, they wanted to pass by on the other side. I ask you, preachers, what other business is there than to reach out and bandage those who are broken and minister to those who need it the most? What about the Levites? God took care of the Levites in the Old Testament by giving them their own space and watching out for them and said, you minister to the people of God and here is this Levite and rather than ministering to, the, to somebody on the road, he's all too busy and passing by on the other side to do his thing. And I know and you know that your life is so busy. I get it. I know it. You got, you're going a thousand directions, but hey, this year we ought to focus on service some. And some of the way to keep yourself from being so self-centered is to actually care about other people. So we're going to do some of that. Notice a couple of more things about this, this uncomfortable parable. The, the lawyer says, hey, who's my neighbor? And Jesus never answers that question. Jesus turns that whole thing upside down and he tells him what a good neighbor is like. This person that you hate, but who is actually helping people. Yeah, we think we're a good neighbor because we, uh, we tell people we'll pray for them. And we tell people they're in our thoughts. And we're moved by compassion. Let me tell you something. I get moved when I see the commercials about the neglected dogs. My little buddy, my, 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 my son, he doesn't know yet that those dogs are neglected. And so when the commercial comes on, he runs up to the screen and he thinks that, you know, it's doggies, you know. I'm moved by what's going on with the animals. But listen, I'm moved by that. 
but I don't do anything to help. And far more than animal life, there are human beings in our city who are suffering and hurting, and they're in need. And we've got to do more than just see it when we pass by. We've got to do more than just say, oh boy, that's a bad situation. We've got to come together as a church, and we're going to give you a couple of three opportunities this year. And maybe your, your schedule's very busy and you can't do a whole bunch on your own. And we're going to give you some dates where you can come serve alongside of everybody in our church. We're going to try and reach out to some places in our community where we can help and love and minister and serve those that are around us. Are you a neighbor? Or are you a passerby? Do you talk about good things to do or do you actually do them? Jesus said, this is the greatest commandment. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two hang all the law and the prophets. And don't think for a minute that Jesus doesn't put this whole thing in perspective. You see, what Jesus does is he gives the great two commandments, love God and love your neighbor, and then he unfolds it in the rest of the chapter. He goes directly into the parable of the Good Samaritan and says, this is how you love your neighbor. And it follows up with the story of Mary and Martha, where Martha is serving in the house and Mary is sitting at the feet of Jesus, worshiping him. And he gets, he's saying to them, love your neighbor this way and love God this way. And don't, don't, don't get rid of both of them or either one of them or highlight one to the neglect of the other. Worship God and love Him and love your neighbor. So let's be the kind of people who rise up this year in our church life and serve. Jesus said, who's, who's the one that's good neighbor? Not the religious one. Not the one who has the pedigree. Let me see if I can bring that text into where we are. Not the one that's been a member of, uh, of Emmanuel Baptist Church, a founding member. We're glad if you are. We're glad if you've been here all your life. We love you. You've got a lot to give this church. But just because you've been a member of this church for a long time doesn't mean that you're actually serving your neighbor like Jesus said to do. Not the religious you know that priest and Levi, they wear all the right clothes and carry all the right Bibles and say all the right phrases and they know how to be baptistic in nature. But have they rolled up their sleeves and gotten a little dirty in the service of their neighborhood and their community and people who are needing good folks like us? Are you actually serving? I don't know how many times friends and people I've known who in this, in this kind of vortex of Christianity and religion and denominational life, they think that somehow even indirectly in their own soul, they have a snobbery and a condescension upon other people because they have everything they think makes them right. But they don't actually serve Jesus by helping other people. I could care less if you know all the books of the Bible if you're not actually helping people for the sake of Christ. It's good to know the books of the Bible. 
And in fact, knowing the books of the Bible and reading and studying should prepare your heart to serve. But if all of your Bible studies and everything that you learn, all of the meetings and all of the conferences, if all of the stuff that you do that you call religion does not result in you loving God and loving your neighbor, then ask yourself, how important is it? How much are you actually accomplishing with all of those things if it doesn't produce a life that loves Jesus and moves in action toward other people. That's an uncomfortable parable, and I feel a little uncomfortable telling you that. (laughs) Here's the tough question. Number two, the tough question. Look back at 29. You see, Jesus isn't foolish here. Jesus arranges this whole thing says, and puts it right back on him. Verse number 29, the lawyer asks this question, but wish, wishing to justify himself. He gives you the motive, right? The author here gives you, Luke gives you the motive. He's wishing to justify himself because Jesus has made him stammer and stutter as a lawyer, and you're not supposed to do that. He was trying to catch Jesus, not knowing what he was talking about. And instead, Jesus just kind of hits him right between the eyes. Love God, love your neighbor. That's the whole deal. Say, okay, uh, well, who's my neighbor? Right. As if Jesus wouldn't be able to answer that. Jesus gives him an uncomfortable parable, shows him what neighbor love is like. And look at this tough question. Verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man? who fell among the robbers' hands. Now, you know, right on the front end, you'd say, well, that's not a hard question. That's a straightforward question. You see, what, what underlies there is the great power of Jesus and His questions. Jesus puts it right back on the man who sought to justify himself. And there are people in this room, and maybe even yours truly, and we, we're all guilty at times of justifying ourselves and our schedules and our time constraints and our work and our family life and all kinds of things. And, you know, we're looking for a way out. Is there, hey, hey listen, look, the, the young people, hey, we built this church on the backs of us. Let the young people do it for a while. The young people are like, well, I'm trying to make a life. Let the retired folks do it. And everybody blames it on the little children. Let the little children, listen, listen. Don't go around blaming everybody else. Don't seek to justify. Don't try and get out of all of it. Jesus hits you between the eyes with the same question and says, who's the neighbor? See, what's under that is, are you? Are you a neighbor? I want you to be good neighbors in your individual life and with your family. And this year we're going to help you a little bit in the area of service. And we'll talk for a few minutes here in, in just a little bit about kind of the direction of our church this year. It's going to offer you some opportunities to be a part of that. But as corporately as a church, I think that it's important for our church to minister and serve and help in our neighborhood, our community, in the city of Raleigh. Now listen, I know some of you in here, oh my goodness, has Pastor Steve gone off on the social gospel? Is he just, we're just going to do, no, look, we're going to do good and give the gospel at the same time. Amen. Can I get an amen in there? Can I tell you something? I don't care what it is. Don't let people just put you in one camp or the other. It's possible to be like Jesus and meet the physical needs of folks and give them the unadulterated truth of the Word of God at the exact same time. Yeah. 
But in some of the traditions where I came from, when I was much younger, the idea was, well, we're not going to do anything unless it's just giving the gospel or unless that person will come to church. If they won't come to church, we won't help. Uh, let me tell you something. Lost people think that is really hypocritical. And I think Jesus would agree with them. It seems to me that when you read the New Testament, Jesus had this concept of helping people where they were and at the exact same time expressing to them that they must put their faith and trust in Him alone. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father but by me. There is no relativism in that gospel. Do you understand that? There is no many ways to heaven. There are no, uh, everybody just do what you want to do. No, it's Jesus or nothing. It's Jesus or bust. That's the, that's the truth we speak from the, from the Bible. And can I say something to you? Don't shy away. Be kind, but don't shy away with that with unbelievers. They want you to show fidelity to what you believe. And if you tell them that you believe the Bible, then that must be the gospel that you give. And they want you to be not wishy-washy, but straight. And if they disagree with you, okay, be kind to them. But Jesus met needs, human needs, and He loved people and He took care of them. And we're going we're gonna to try and do some of that together this year. So, so ask yourself, as Jesus speaks into your life right now, which one's the neighbor? The religious people sitting in the pew? Or the one that you despise that is actually moved with compassion to help? Who is the neighbor? The ambassador that flew back to the United States to kind of wheel and deal and, you know, figure something out and watch his own backside? A professor who knew all of the philosophy and all of the history and had arguments for everything that passed by on the side of the road making a petition? Or do you have a lot of trouble swallowing down that even your enemy, who actually was moved with compassion and did something, that's neighbor love. See? And so the question becomes, what will you do this year motivated by the love of Christ to help others? Well, so an uncomfortable parable and a, uh, a, a tough question. And let me give you one more point from the text. A gracious command. And you might not be used to hearing that kind of language. A, a, a gracious command, right? When you think about commands, you think law. But can I tell you something? Don't ever try and tell somebody like the Old Testament was law and the New Testament was grace. No, the entire Bible is grace. Nobody got saved in the Old Testament differently than they get saved today. It has always been by faith in the provided Messiah, the Lord Jesus Christ, and faith in the provision of God for salvation leads to a life that lives for Him. A gracious command. Look at the end. Look at what Jesus says. Verse number 37, and He said, The one who showed mercy toward him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do the same. Go and do the same. That's a, that's a command for 
the parable and for that, that time and for our time, the command for our church this year is to go into our community and do the same as we have seen unfolded in this parable, working itself out in real life in our neighborhoods and in our city that we are being the kind of neighbors that are that love people, that are moved with compassion, and who actually seek to help. Now, can I pause for a minute and tell you something? If we today just try to strike out of here and do the very best we can, we just pick ourselves up by the bootstraps, and uh, we go out there and we gun ho, and we say, we're just going to be really good to people this year. I'm telling you, we're, we're going to tank by February. You see, this kind of love, this kind of care, this kind of compassion will only take root in your life and will only manifest itself with people who may not even be thankful for what you do when it's motivated by the love that the Lord Jesus Christ has for us and had for us in His death and in His resurrection. You know, we like to think of ourselves, uh, as I did a minute ago, are we the priest? Are we the Levite? Are we Jesus? Who are we? But I, I would submit to you that most likely the best interpretation of this parable is to see yourself as the man who was walking down the road and was plundered and beaten and left for dead. And you have no hope. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter number 2, for you who are dead in trespasses and sins, Right? We're dead. We're laying there and there's nothing we can do and we're crying out and we need help and the world passes by. Materialism passes by. All of the other helps of the world pass by on the other side and if they do take time to see you, they see you and move on. But it is Christ who comes to us in our need. And it is Christ who comes to us and ministers and bandages and heals and brings the wine and the food and places us upon His own beast and takes us to the end, which is maybe the, maybe the church. And he says there, I'm going to give you, I'm not only going to take care of you now, but I'm going to make provision that this pe these people are going to take care of you until I come again. Christ is the one who has loved us. And I would say He is the one that it says in the book of Isaiah that He was despised and rejected of men. He is the Samaritan who is outside of the camp, who comes to those who are in deepest need and saves us by His power. You see, the Jewish lawyer that's speaking to Jesus, he's thinking in his mind, if I just keep all of these commands, if I fulfill the law, I'll be all right. And Jesus tells him a parable in which he comes to understand you'll never be able to keep all those commands. In fact, sir, you are the one who has been left for dead and you are in need of somebody. And the very one who is coming to save you is the one you don't want to save you. And he loves us. And He cares for us. And He brings His grace and mercy into our lives. And when He heals us and when He saves us, He gives us the gracious command to go out to people and do the same. 
That's what we want to do this year. Let me show you just a few things. So um, first of all, we'll kind of focus on three areas this year, right? I want to go ahead and bring first one up on there. Yeah, so we're going, to, uh, we're going to serve. I'm going to get to that in a minute. We'll just work on that today. Uh, number two this year is outreach, right? Very complicated PowerPoint here, you see. <laughs> so service and outreach. Number three is discipleship. Now, everybody say with me these three things today. Service, outreach, discipleship. Let's try that one more time. Service, outreach, discipleship. Now, I'm not asking you to memorize the book of Leviticus for our vision this year. Otherwise, you would all fall asleep. What I do want you to is to leave here today thinking in your mind, okay, so our church this year, those are three broad categories, and we're going to kind of try and dig in and, and take a little slice out of that, take a little bite out of that. We're going to focus on service and outreach or evangelism and, uh, and then discipleship. So today, we're going to talk about service in particular in just a second. Next week, Josh Reed from the State Convention is coming, and uh, he's going to speak to our church about uh, evangelism. And he, he was already talking with me this past week about how excited he is to preach to you about the priesthood of all believers. And I'm like, wow, I need to find out what that means. No, I'm just messing with you. Hey, let's, he's going to talk about evangelism and what our church looks like like that. I've already got some other ideas in my head about what we're going to do there. And then, uh, and then we're going to talk a little bit in a few weeks about discipleship. And you've already seen, we've been kind of pushing this direction. So we have uh, our ladies seminars that are going to begin. You'll be hearing in the next week or so about a uh, upcoming men's uh, um, Bible study that we're going to be doing. And of course, we're going to be uh, pushing for all of our folks to be involved in Sunday school classes and working toward that. We have some training that's coming up. So this year in these three different areas, service and evangelism or outreach and uh, in discipleship, we want to push in a little bit. And you might be here thinking, well, I've been a Christian long. We want you to grow a little bit more. We want you to evangelize a little bit more. And we want to serve together in our community. So here's an opportunity. Here's the first one. There'll be, I think, three or four this year that we have planned. So in the summertime and in the fall and this coming uh, winter, we have some service projects for our whole church. But you'll see that uh, March 30th, go ahead, uh, those of you that have uh, iPhones with you or tablets or whatever, or a piece of paper to write on, go ahead and write these dates down. March, uh, March 30, March 30th, 11 a.m. to 2 p.m., we're calling this Operation Serve Raleigh. And uh, you can see the picture up here is of Millbank Court Apartments. It's just about three miles from here. Uh, staff been praying for the last several months and kind of uh, driving around together and, and, and thinking about some areas. And so there's an apartment complex, Millbank Apartments, and uh, a few hundred uh, units there. And so on March the 30th, we, uh, from 11 o'clock to 2 o'clock, we're going to do a service uh, project in that uh, apartment complex. We spoke this last week with uh, their leadership there, and we have a meeting. Please pray for us Tuesday at 1 o'clock. The staff will be meeting uh, with their staff. Staff there, and uh, so we're going to we're going to set this up together, and hopefully, what we'll do is maybe have like a community wide for that apartment complex. Do like a community wide cookout. Now, everybody that's on the board of directors and stewardship, take a deep breath, okay? Where is that money coming from? Don't worry about it, folks. It is already paid for. It's in your pockets. You just need to put it in the offering plate, okay? <laughs> 
all right? It's already paid for. It is done deal. Just take it out of your wallet, out of your purse. Next several weeks, put it in there. God's going to pay for it. It's a wonderful thing. Now listen, if you leave here today and you call somebody on the phone, well, I just don't know where we're going to get the money for that. Then what you need to do is come back next Sunday, come down to the altar, repent of your sin or get saved. Okay? What you ought to do here is leave here today and say, I don't have any idea how we're going to make all that happen, but God's in it and we're going to do it. Man, that'd have been a good place for somebody other than Roland to say amen. <laughs> Let's try that again. We're going to leave here today and we're going to say, I don't know how we're going to pay for that, but God's in it and we're going to see him do some miracles. Amen? amen. Man, if I have to preach and do amen. It might be like a raise in there somewhere or something. Now listen, don't worry about that. We're going to be frugal, stewardship. We're going to help. We're going to do a cookout for that community. We're going to uh, we're going to have some uh, some stations set up for the children. Try and do some uh, some face painting. Some of the games that we do at our fall festival here uh, for them. We're going to try and have a, a little booth set up for uh, folks, uh, maybe families that are struggling financially to make it from one paycheck to the next, uh, where they can come, maybe sit down for ten or fifteen minutes and speak with um, one of our folks who maybe have been through uh, Financial Peace University, just to get some you know some basic baby step helps on how to save money and create a budget. We want to help some folks out like that. Uh, we're going to try the best we can. We'll see what happens on Tuesday when we meet them. We'd like to work out where uh, maybe there'll be a section, uh, uh, a little section there where we could have everybody bring uh, some uh, items, maybe like microwaves or blender or just some basic household items. And we'll set up a little ticket system, hopefully, where folks in that community will be able to just go and get a couple of things for free that they might have need of around the house. And uh, so, you, know, you can really quickly see why you need to pray for your staff and your coordinators over the next few months. We have a lot of work cut out for us. We also want to uh, share the gospel that day. We want to speak with families who may not have transportation to get to church. We have a van that sits out here every Sunday. And it might be possible that if there's some folks from that community that would like to come to church that don't have the opportunity, we might be able to start bringing some of those folks to church. We want to bless that community with a service outreach. And this is, you can do a lot of stuff in, in your own personal life. We encourage that. We just as a staff were thinking this year, let's, let's try and provide a few outlets and opportunities for our church to be able to come on board and serve. Now, you'll see, uh, okay, you know, ways you can serve. You, let me see here, because I can't read that up there. Okay, so we need to promote uh, the event in advance. We'll need people to help with setup and teardown. Uh, we are going to do like go door to door even that very day. So we'll be doing a lot in that community before, but earlier that morning, we'll just, not too early, right? But earlier that morning, we'll try and send out a bunch of people and just knocking on the doors, inviting the children and the community to come out and make sure they all know, hey, this is free. It's not going to cost you anything. It's just a way for us to bless uh, that community. Uh, we will be providing food, snack preparation, and service there, games and recreation. We'll have like some setup for uh, doing crafts with children. Uh, you can assist with the free yard sale. You can talk to people about Jesus. 
You can assist with uh, the event and follow up. We want to do that as well, too. Write thank you cards to people who actually come. You could be a van driver for anyone wanting to come to church afterward. Be a part of an ongoing mission project. So here's something you need to know that we're going to do when we talk about service. We talked about this long and hard as a staff. So we don't want to just go somewhere. I think it looks kind of weird and bad to just go somewhere and show up and like do something and then forget about them. You know what I mean? That ah, just it seems ooky to me. That's a Greek word, ooky. I don't like it. You know what I mean? It's just not good. That's not what Jesus would do. Okay. So what we want to do is partner with them, and they've already said this is a good date, good time. So we'll do uh, we'll do a service event for them, and then even this Tuesday and going forward, we're going to find out from their staff things that they're already doing. Like it could be that maybe this apartment complex or another one around um, that uh, when school starts back, they might do backpack buddies. And they already do that. Well, it might be that our church could come in and assist with that and help out, uh, provide music for that day or do something like that. And whatever they have going on, we want to we wanna say, hey, as a church in this community and in the city of the Raleigh, um, what, do you, what else are you doing to help your community? How can we be a part of that? How can we serve you? Have something going on there. Yeah? I think that's a way here in the first quarter that we can sign up. Now, on your way out today on the welcome desk, there is a sign up. And what you'll find is a place that you can put your name and then all of these little service categories where you can check. Isn't that the way it's set up? So everything that you've seen here uh, it will be on there. And maybe you say, hey, listen, I, I, could, I could drive the van or I could help with some food service or I could help with cleanup setup or, you know, I could go door to door. You know, you can just check. And if you'll go ahead and sign up for that, this is church-wide. Moms and dads and children can serve together. Anybody in the life of the church who is breathing, there's a place for you to serve. You can just look at these different options and say, oh, okay, our family could do that. Oh, we could be a part of that. Yeah. And so if you'll sign up on your way out today, now what that doesn't mean is you don't get to say, ah, I'm not going to serve anybody until March 30th. No, you want to go out here today and you want to be a good Samaritan. You want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with people and you want to meet their needs where they are. You do that with your family and your friends and your coworkers and your neighborhood. And in fact, if you'll start trying to be a neighbor like Christ right where you are, then you'll find that you're better prepared on March 30th to go into a neighborhood and a group of folks that you don't know real well and serve them. If you just show up on March 30th and you've not really been a, a, a Christly neighbor every day leading up to that, you'll find that it'll be awkward and hard for you. But if you'll just work through being like Christ to the people you come in contact with every day of your life, you'll be ready to serve on board with us as a church. Brothers and sisters, this is a good thing. I'll finish just by saying, don't, in the next few weeks, is, and this is what we do, I'll share with you. You know, last year I just had one Vision Sunday where I like said a whole bunch of stuff, and all the coordinators said to me afterward, yeah, I probably need to just focus one at a time on that. So I'm going to spread this over a few weeks. Today, I just want you to chew on our church serving our community. We're going to provide some ways for you to do that. We're going to be working with J.Y. Joyner a little bit later in the year. We have a service project in the fall. 
in the end of the year, somewhere between uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, we're going to hopefully work with a couple of our funeral homes in the city of Raleigh and here at Emmanuel provide an evening of a memorial service for anyone in the year of 2019 who loses a, a loved one and provide a service for them where we can love on them and encourage them, maybe give them a gift, sing together, and share the gospel with them. Sometimes between Thanksgiving and Christmas is a dark time for people who lose someone. That's a way for us to bless our community and share the gospel as well too. We want to focus on March 30th, blessing the Millbank community. In the weeks coming, you'll probably see us praying for that community. You'll see some pictures, some things that you can do. And uh, as your pastor or the shepherd, let me just finish by saying this. When you leave here today, Don't go out and be critical. We've prayed. We're working at it. You've got good leadership in this church. Uh, we're meeting again this afternoon. They're all going to be on board and working toward these things. The Lord will provide. You see, it's a good thing for us to bless our community and to share Jesus with them. If you believe that, would you raise your hand today? I saw a lot of hands go up. I saw the majority of the room, your hands went up. So what that tells me is, Monday's my day off, so please don't call me unless you really, really need me. Tuesday when I come to the office, the sign up that's out here in the back, I hope that I will see as many sign ups there that I see your hands go up. Now let me try this again. If you believe it's a good thing for us to bless our community and to share Jesus with our community, raise your hand. Not quite as many. That, no, I'm just messing with you. Hey, well, how are we going to pay for that? Hey, listen, would you just take a deep breath? Hasn't God provided for us? Y'all paid a $3 million building off in like 10 years. You don't think God can buy some hot dogs for that day? He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Maybe he'll just give us steaks instead of hamburgers. I don't know. Don't quote me on that. <laughs> I, I, God will do that. I said, well, what if nobody from there comes to our church? I would tell you, read the parable of the Good Samaritan again. Because the guy that he left at the hospital in was never, ever able to repay him. The issue is that we serve and bless and share and we let God do all the rest. Amen? Amen. All right, bow your heads and close your eyes with me for a moment. Hey, in just a second, we'll stand, we'll sing a hymn invitation. Here's what I want to extend it today. I shared the gospel pretty clear, clearly with you. We, we want you to know today, member or visitor alike, this church preaches what the Bible teaches and that is that Jesus Christ alone is the Lord and Savior. And you need Him. And so I want to encourage you today, turn from your sin and believe on Jesus. If you need help with that, if you want somebody to walk you through that, in just a minute when we stand and sing together, just come down here to the front row. We'll have somebody go to a side room with you and, and go over that with you. Maybe for many of our church members today, you would say, hey, I, I want to be involved. I want to serve a little bit. I'm not forcing you. I'm not dragging you. 
Maybe you need to come down and pray a little bit and say, Lord, here we go. I want to be a better servant. And I want to be a neighbor for You. Whatever the Lord's doing on your heart, respond in faith to Him today.